Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, October the 1st. It's the beginning of Q4, and um, I'm joined today by Chris Gullo over here. Hello, Chris Gullo. Hello. Yeah, as you, as you mute yourself. And, and Jesse Collings down here. Hello. Hello. And um, we're going to talk about today. Um, it's the end of Q3. Yesterday was the end of Q3. Fix this around. Yesterday was the end of Q3. And we're going to go over. Brandon, you got to be putting the microphone when you're talking. I know. And we're going to go over all sorts of um, business trends. Ticket sales. Well, something indicating ticket sales. We're going to go over um, TV ratings for WWE. AEW Women of Wrestling, the number three company in the United States. Well, not of TV Ohio Valley Wrestling. Not, I don't think so. Um, but but they're parallel moves. Reception, guys. cage match rate. Yeah, we're going to talk about cage match ratings. Those 120 nerds or whatever who are the same people voting over and over again who just happen to correlate to median age and to demo viewership, perhaps. And then we'll talk about. Mm, the Abima deal, much, much news about the Abima deal. By the way, I'm, I'm, we will touch on, because I don't want to get yelled at by Cubs fan. We, we will touch on at least somewhat on the world of CMLL and AAA. I'm, I'm hoping Jesse can enlighten us with some of the business highlights over the last nine months for CMLL and AAA, because all I've got is Google Trends, because we don't really have much data when it comes to, to Mexico. And the Abima deal that WWE has made, is it the is it the the death of the the Japanese wrestling industry upon us? Probably not. We'll talk about it, and we'll look at the Panini and WWE lawsuit that is ongoing. An update there, as well as perhaps another episode. I didn't want to do it, but I was in in our in our voting mechanism. I was overruled two to one. We have to cover. We have to provide an update on the all in attendance. I didn't want to do it, but they they forced my hand. So, who who were the other two people voting? Were you they, two. You two. No, they were. Was it your multiple personalities that were voting on the? Uh... I, I I said nobody nobody wants to hear about this. I can't believe you're still talking about this, and and you guys are like, no, no, we we have to. We're obsessed with it. And I was like, well, if it's Brandon, two, two to two to one. I guess. Can we, we'll can we talk about something really quick? Are you are you watching the Toy Story? Uh, I tried, to, I tried to, to play it on um, ESPN Plus, but I got an error message saying and we can't play this right now. And I tried to load the regular broadcast. Couldn't load that either. I heard it was glitchy. I'm watching it on Disney Plus is the way to watch the Toy Story broadcast, um, which notable. I don't know if Disney Plus has done live 
like broadcast before. Um, I know we talk about that sometimes with like HBO Max and things like that. They, they probably have. I don't think this is the first one, but this is the first one I've ever watched on Disney Plus for sure. Um, this is the first like crossover thing because you know what they do with Nickelodeon and all that. That's it's basically to teach kids football because American football is uh, not growing like it used to be in in the United States with children. So they're trying to like football. Do things. It's football viewership in trouble. I feel like we have a hard time figuring it that. Might out be in later. thirty years. Yeah. Yeah, just the um, earphones in, because we're hearing a little bit of feedback. Me? Yes. Oh, I never put them in for for uh, this, but I can. Okay. Um, the earphones are kind of weird on this broadcast. I don't know why. Sometimes they don't always like work. Yeah. But we're, I'm hearing a little bit. I, I'm, I'm guessing it's 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 coming from your your phone. Um. So anyway. We will we will accept super chats today. So today is the free episode of WrestleNomics Radio. We do this every Sunday. If you don't know, if you're uh, not a regular listener, not a subscriber, we do this every Sunday for subscribers. Uh, we will accept super chats. If anybody wants to put one in in the chat, um, we will read your question or comment uh, before we're all done here. Um, I, we already talked somewhat about the the TV deal. Uh, more more about the SmackDown TV deal with Josh Nason. That is a free podcast for everybody. Pollock and Thurston. It's on the post wrestling feed and on the WrestleNomics Radio feed as well as well with a new era of AEW, whatever that means. Maybe we'll find out what was that tonight at Wrestle Dream. But and we also talked about the Tony Khan media call stuff we'll probably not touch on today. But if you want to become a subscriber for patreon.com slash WrestleNomics and listen to WrestleNomics Radio every week, that's at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. You get the TV ratings reports, quarter hour reports, big spreadsheet other reports that I do. Um, so we will begin. And, and I guess we'll, I, I will briefly touch on this. This is one of those weeks where I just really went overboard on the slides and I've got way too much here. So um, we're in a important time in the world of um, wrestling TV deals here. One deal for WWE is done. That's the SmackDown deal. The raw deal is not done. And, it seems to me that, you know, the the NBA deal has to get done before any of this. And I was thinking, when was when in the prior cycle for the NBA, how far in advance of expiration did the NBA get a new deal done? And it's like right now. So October 5th, 2014, which was just before which was before the deal was going to expire in I think it was going to be twenty fifteen. Or maybe it was, it was going to expire at the end of the 2016. At the end of the 2015-2016 season, that deal is going to expire. So the prior October 2014 is when they made a new deal. October 5th is when this news came out in 2014. So we're at the same point. Today is October 1st. We're at the same point in time where a deal was made. And I, I don't know if it'll happen around the same time. I'm not, I'm not getting the, the sense that there's like rumblings that a deal is done. But what do I know about the NBA TV rights? Um, maybe the fact that the market for sports rights is becoming, I don't know, more challenging in, in terms of TV networks not being as willing to give big upgrades if that's a thing that is really happening beyond one WWE deal, um, maybe that is something that will delay this. Maybe additional bidders is something that will delay this because we believe, you know, NBC likely wants NBA probably going to come away with some of it. Maybe Amazon, maybe other players are interested. So I think point is, I think that the WWE and AEW deals need to wait for the NBA deal to be done. 
because the NBA is a much, 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 much bigger deal, bigger ad rates. And I'm guessing that this has to get done before the rest of the chips can fall for Raw and for AEW. So not for SmackDown. You don't think that this impacted this? Obviously, didn't impact the SmackDown deal because that got done before the NBA rights have been renegotiated. Yeah, it may. Have, I mean, it may have impacted it from like this the sense of maybe NBC sees some of the money that they would spend being they want to save it so they can you know spend it on the NBA. I don't. I don't know. But I. But I think for the the next deals to get done for the for the the raw deal to get done on the AW deal to get done. And considering this is even closer in time to the expected finalization time uh, than I, than I thought, then, well, yeah, I mean, it could be done any time now, I suppose. And then that can be out of the way that can be settled. All those funds can, can be allocated. And then, then the deals for WWE and AW can maybe get done at that point. And I think it's especially important for AW due to, um, how massively important the NBA rights are to Warner Brothers Discovery um, and the expectation that they're going to have to pay a lot more for the NBA rights because there's so many bidders, um, presumed bidders this time around. So in terms of AEW's deal with Warner Brothers Discovery, I would assume that's definitely um, going to have to wait for the NBA. So we will start with what I want to do is look at the business trends in the pro wrestling world year to date, because the third quarter has just ended yesterday on September 30th. So we'll start with, I got a lot of slides. We'll try to go through them quickly and not read too many numbers, but TV ratings first, the most important. Yes, they are important TV ratings. And let's look at AEW first. We'll handle, I don't know if we're not going to handle this in alphabetical order, but we're going to do AEW first arbitrarily. And dynamite is down in, to in total viewership as well as the demo. Rampage is down to more significantly in total viewership as well as the demo and collision, which its ratings are especially um, important at this time. Cause there's just sort of unknown where this show is going to land as a steady state. It's going into this September month here. It just finishes this, this September month going against um, college football went against NXT, no mercy last night. And the, the WPLEs have had a lot of uh, negative effect on AEW's AEW collision ratings when they've happened. But so far, I suppose we could say this since the show has begun, it is averaging 544,000 viewers. It is averaging a 0.18 in the demo. Now, the entire history of the show at this point is including things like the, the early episodes that it's probably never going to touch. But so let's just look at Q3. So Q3 would exclude June. So those first couple of weeks that are especially strong, it excludes that. And in Q3, it's averaging 519,000 viewers, so not that far off from the year-to-date average. And it is averaging a 0.17 and almost no difference from the year-to-date average of, of 0.18. But 0.17 is what it's averaging at this point. And some of that is including September. This is looking at, what, July, August, and September. Which, like, in a sense, I guess if you're going to be going against – football for about a third of the year, that's probably a pretty good impression of where it's going to be, right? Because a third of that quarter, one month out of three, was going against football. And it was going against a, a fairly normal distribution of WPLEs. That may be a good impression of where it's going to land if all other things are equal going forward. 0.17 demo rating, 519 
total viewership. Probably better than reruns. Yeah, well, it's it's also tough to say we're still in, I think, an establishment period for Collision in terms of being seen as a viable, important show. Obviously, um, the CM Punk firing uh, will probably play a role into how people perceive Collision. Um, I think it's still probably a little bit too early to say, like, what is the the, the average for Collision? I think um, the last few weeks um, facing against, you know, pretty strong competition, especially some of the ratings that some of these college football games have been able to do. Um, I would say it's held up uh, to an acceptable degree, but, you know, six months from now, how, how we, we, I don't really have any uh, idea on how collision is going to be seen in AEW. I don't know how it's going to be booked. I'm wary of it turning into like a rampage or something like that. Um, so far since CM Punk, exit the company i would say so good in terms of making the shows feel important but it's still too early for me to really determine i think what the baseline rating is going to be uh for collision the way that we have data for for dynamite rampage so so punk was fired on the the day before all out which was like september 3rd and Mm -hmm. so the last pay-per-view or the last last collisions that had him on it that weren't against a PLE. So we've got August 26th, which did 552. The week before that on the 19th did 482. And there's no huge competition there that I can think of, right? There's no PLEs there because SummerSlam was August the 5th. So just to look at, let's say the last two, 482, 552 were the last punk uh, collisions. 482, 552. And the... The 23rd of September did 562 the week before that. And this is against college football. Those that I just mentioned, not going against college football, 467. So I guess my, my, my takeaway from that is that the loss of Punk from this show has not had a great effect at all at this point. Consider, yeah. Considering the latter numbers, on, the latter data points I just mentioned were against greater competition in college football. Yeah, well, I think the punk loss is twofold. The first is, as you described, is, you know, the ratings impact of CM Punk, just his star presence on a week to week basis, which doesn't from what you just described, doesn't seem to have a massive impact um, that we've been able to observe so far. But the second consequence is CM Punk being on collision kind of naturally forced collision to feel important and for uh, AEW and Tony Khan to kind of book collision like uh, similar to a dynamite. Um, over time, with as Punk's presence is no longer on that show and they lose the idea of like doing a soft roster split, um, will that change the way AEW views collision and will, you know, maybe some of these big matches that we've seen on collision stop ending up on collision and they move to dynamite because that's what happened with rampage rampage had you know big important matches and then eventually all those big important matches went back to dynamite and rampage kind of became the supplemental show i think cm punk's presence there in the soft roster split um kind of a byproduct of that was forcing collision to feel like a major show because you had a you know a couple cm punk and a couple other major stars kind of exclusively on that show um as time goes by uh will we see that kind of be reduced and in, in, in dynamite because that is va show um kind of scoops up all of the big matches that collision's been getting and do we see that have an impact on collisions ratings like we saw 
have had an impact on Rampage's ratings. That's, I think, still to be determined. And other big takeaways here, I guess, as far as the, the Dynamite rating, it's not surprising if you've been listening to, to WrestleNomics Radio in the past. This is down 11% in Q3 versus the prior year, which is along the lines of what it's what other quarters have been. And I do believe that that's a, that's a genuine decline. That's a, that's because of the content, people less interested genuinely in the content. Um, Rampage is down even more. So Rampage is down 20% and 20% in the demo, same as total viewership. And that's because the show is less important than it was a year ago when it was already declining in, in, in importance. Now you've got the, added feature of collision is the other important show even more so than rampage but well, well rampage, if you look at rampage's quarter um average rating throughout 2023 it's actually pretty stable um 0.21 for every quarter year to date yes right so there's q123 there's there's no really so 0.12 i'm sorry yeah as in, in terms of the key demo there's really no observable loss with the addition of collision um it seems like Rampage has really hit. It's this is what it's going to do pretty much every week, um, and uh, total viewership is continuing to decline sequentially. Yeah, there is something with 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 total viewership. Um, we could probably chop that up. Also, probably perhaps in line with cable uh, viewership as a whole. Um, and the Rampage percentage losses. Obviously, Rampage has a uh, a smaller audience. Uh, to begin with. So when they lose viewers, it's going to have a, it's easier for them to have both increases and decreases on a percentage basis and ratings. So there's that. Now we'll move to WWE raw and SmackDown raw. Well, let's, let's go. SmackDown is up in every quarter year to date in both total viewership and the demo still finishing Q3 in the demo up 24%. Yeah, that's really notable. We've seen the total viewership increase um, you know, they're up 7% year over year, which is good. Um, but to be up, it just shows how much younger that audience has gotten um, over the last year. It's not just that they've gotten more viewers. It's just how many, you know, younger viewers in the, the 18 to 49 demo that they've hit. And Raw has been good to a lesser extent. Raw is up in total viewership in Q1, Q2. This quarter, Q3, this recently completed quarter, down 10% in total viewership in Q3. Only one of those months is against NFL. The other two months are July and August. So you can only – and we're looking at this year over year. There's seasonality baked in here, right? So it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm only comparing it against the prior quarter where it also went against the NFL. Uh, but anyway, down 10% in Q3. Up 2% though in the demo, which I would say is reflective of an increased interest with younger viewers – just as we see exacerbated to a greater extent in in the SmackDown trends. So, NXT. I'm a, yes. Can, can, I was going to ask, I'm springing this on you right now. Do we have the oh. teenage demos for WWE? Because I'd be interested in seeing if we have those like uh, year over year. No, I could calculate something that would roughly tell us what it is given that it's such a small percentage of the audience who are watching any sort of traditional TV and, and as a small percentage of the audience that's watching these programs, it would be really volatile. But over the course of large segments of time, like quarter years, it was it would probably be meaningful and highly correlated to whatever the real data is. Um, I, po- point is, I don't have the actual Nielsen data 2 to 17, let's say, or any form of that. Um, 
yeah, I, I don't have it is, is the, the short answer. Um, we do have 18 to 34, and that's up even more strongly if that gives you an impression of, of, of an answer to the question that you're trying to ask. Um, and then NXT. Up in the demo, 39% in this quarter, up 8% in total viewership. Actually, the, the total viewership up to this point, Q1, Q2, was only moving a little bit, down 2% in Q1, up 1% in Q2, and uh, the demo has been up more so. Clearly, as, as more younger viewers have watched this as the median age has gone down. So, uh, big increase in younger viewership, an increase in total viewership of 8% in Q3. And then... We'll go to the number three, well, it's the number three wrestling brand, maybe we would say. Uh, not, no, not um, New Japan, not Impact Wrestling, not MLW, not NWA, no, not OVW, um, not Game Changer Wrestling, no. Wow. Women of Wrestling, which averaged in Q3. Well, I don't know if I have a com- have complete data yet for September, but this is most of it. Three hundred and twelve thousand viewers. That's almost almost. We're getting close here. To, let's look, look back at what Rampage was. Rampage averaged on the quarter three hundred seventy one thousand. Three hundred seventy one thousand. Wow, averaged three hundred twelve thousand. And that's this is only in their syndication. So Wow, if you don't know, is syndicated through CBS Media Ventures, which is like the same organization that syndicates Jeopardy and stuff. Um, they're syndicated around the country in various networks and time slots and that's not including the vice telecasts that air on vice at like midnight and 3 a.m that have a you know a handful of 10,000 more uh viewers so if you stack that on you could say that that it is more watched than rampage i guess um and that is up we're now getting into a period where we have year-over-year comparisons for wow but it's only partial in this Q3 because they relaunched this in September of last year. So really, we're only comparing one month here. Uh, but it is up at this at this time. It'll be more meaningful uh, in the following quarter where we're, we're actually com- comparing a complete quarter to a complete quarter. But WoW... Uh, who, has, uh, who has the world championship in WoW? Is there a world championship in WoW? I imagine they have a, a champion. But are they in draw? Should they? Should, where should they finish in best box office draw uh, placing in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards? I'm you know, seeing a twenty. I'm seeing a you know a twenty eight percent increase year over year in uh, in the demo point on viewership. In the demo, um, you know, with, with, with WrestleNomics, we were trying to cover an area that that not many people cover in the same depth. You know, what's a really uncharted territory here as far as uh, wrestling media goes is women of wrestling TV reviews. So if, if that's something you guys want to do, I mean, we're, I'm open to having those conversations is what I'm saying. Um, um, Penelope Pink is the uh, thank you. Wow. Ch- <laughs> champion, uh, also known as Marina Tucker. So, OK, thank you. Um, and then we'll move on to other programs that we do have data for impact wrestling on access. TV is actually up in the quarter 13 percent. But the demo is is down by double digits here. Um, but they are up. They were up in Q2 as well by four percent. They've been up for some consecutive months in a row. Uh, this was a quarter that had the Impact 1000 episodes that didn't have remarkably higher viewership than their surrounding episodes. They did do over 100,000 viewers, which is relative to last year is pretty good. Um, where they were, you know, you look at early in this year in Q1, they were averaging 95,000 viewers. They're averaging in the quarter 115,000 viewers. Um, that's Impact uh, on at, at 8 o'clock to 10 on Axis TV. And then it is followed by New Japan, 
which is coming around on its it, it's it, it went back on um access tv in late 2022 so we do no it went back on access in, in late in early 2022 so we do have year over year comparisons finally now for new japan and new japan is up year over year it's up 31 percent in q3 averaging 61,000 whole viewers and it, it is it is hanging on to its 0.01 demo rating up 10 percent from the prior quarter year uh whereas it was down in the first two quarters of this year so when we're talking about viewership that's this small, it's super volatile, and it's based on a sample, as all Nielsen data is. So there's a lot of what I would call artificial volatility here when you're dealing with small audiences, um, which is why we're, we see – if we had, like, the actual numbers of viewers, it wouldn't be as – these these shows would not be as volatile. I, I expect directionally they would still be down, but maybe they would not be as volatile as they appear here. Nonetheless, I guess we get a story here saying, well – New Japan and Access is a little more interesting than it was last year. Um, and at least with viewers that are older, not necessarily viewers that are younger, Impact is more interesting in this quarter, in the, in the prior quarter, than the, than it was last year. For what that's worth. Um, of course, the New Japan and Access stuff is stuff that has already aired on New Japan World. So maybe your more hardcore viewers have already watched it. That's what's happened. They, they just finished airing the G1 Climax to give you an idea. And it's not exactly super new. They did air the um, Wrestle Kingdom matches pretty quickly after they happened. But they're still – they just caught up fully on the G1. And the period of time – the period of time when they were not on access taught – gave people a chance who were still interested in New Japan Pro Wrestling who wanted to keep watching it to discover New Japan World. Um so I kind of taught everyone, okay, if you still want to watch New Japan, this is the way to watch it. And then you can't, I don't know if you can just go back to being on Axis and expect all those people to follow you back um, to Axis. Yeah. Not to mention New Japan. Are they still on Roku TV? Remember the Roku TV deal? Are they still look, on look, that? Look, go, to, go to Roku TV. Just search oh, Roku yeah, New I, Japan. Goal. You, you tell us. Well, I wasn't sure if you knew off the top of your head. So. I don't know. Off top. I, I, I expect that it is. I would expect that it is. Um, so, that's, so that's what they're doing. Um, as we know, all TV is down. Good luck bundle. The cable world is in decline as we have some information here from something called LRG Research, which is a guy who goes through SEC filings for major cable and satellite and, and, and virtual MVPD carriers and counts up those numbers that are publicly disclosed. So this is not every single cable subscriber in the U.S., but it's pretty close. And what we have here are some year-over-year comparisons, as we see here from this chart, if you're watching in video, cord cutting is accelerating. It's getting worse. It's down 7% in this quarter versus the same quarter of the prior year, whereas a few years ago it was only down, I don't know, 4 5%, but down increasingly so over time. As the cable bundle maybe falls apart, but I don't know. Uh, we won't get into it today, but maybe some of those streaming services are going to go back into the bundle. We'll see. And I guess if you, if you wanted to say, all right, I'm going to use this 7%, since subscriptions are down 7%, I, I'm going to use that to offset my analysis of, of TV ratings here and handicap everything against that 7%. I guess you could do that. Um, it doesn't really change, let's say, the the AW narrative, which is down something like in Dynamite, down something like 10%. Um, where are we here? Dynamite down 11% on the quarter. Rampage down more than that. I don't know that it would dramatically change our analysis, but it might soften it. But it makes the W numbers, I guess, all that much more impressive considering they're reaching 7% fewer homes than they were a year ago. 
um, to live events where we're going to rely heavily on data from WrestleTix as well as Cage Match's collection of attendances from places like the New Japan official website. And we'll look at WWE and AEW first. Um, W SmackDown and Raw continue to do really strongly. Uh, SmackDown in Q3 averaged 11,000 tickets distributed. 11,000, which is more than any at any time since the return to touring. Raw averaged 10,000, which is as much as any time since the return to touring. House shows are still averaging 6,000 as they did in the prior quarter, um, which is as good as any quarter except for the first quarter in the return to touring. Uh, Dynamite is down. It would be down versus last year. This this th- Q3, 5,000. Prior year Q3, 6,000. Uh, and Collision, in its first full quarter, has averaged 4,000, about 1,000 lower than Dynamite. I'm, we're looking at tickets distributed here, which is WrestleTix attempt to estimate what would be paid plus comps. Um, so I've just rounded all of this to the nearest thousand. Um, house shows continuing to do, for some perspective, continuing to do better than either of the AWTV shows. Um, so there, here's a bunch of numbers. The the sum and the average, I don't know that we need to read much from this, but we'll we'll use this data to make some other comparisons in a moment. Um, so if we look at the last 12 months, TTM here means trailing 12 months. We've got uh, WWE with a total, what I'll call for shorthand here, estimated total attendance for WWE and AW. This is using WrestleTix data for New Japan that we're going to talk about is using the data that I got from Cage Match that Cage Match almost certainly got from njpw.co.jp, New Japan's official website. So anyway, total attendance estimated in the last 12 months, about 1.8 million attendees for WWE, about a half a million for AEW, and about a quarter of a million for New Japan. So... AEW basically doubling New Japan, and then and then WWE. What what is that? More than tripling AEW. Um, obviously, that's influenced by their average attendance, and that is influenced by the number of events. WWE is running more events than either of them. Um, but let's look at some market to market comparisons, which I think are the most meaningful comparisons that you can really make. And for WWE, I have to go back all the way back to January of 2023 of this year, but all the way back to the beginning of the year to find a same market, same event type comparison. That is a double digit negative comp. In other words, for every raw SmackDown comparing it to this, to the last time that that event type was in that same city. um, Almost all of these are positive comparisons. A few of them. Let's go. Let's count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Eight. eight of them. Eight of them are actually negative out of what's I, I, I think I counted these at one point. I think it's over 100. Over 100 events, only eight of them are negative, and those are slightly ne- negative. I have to go back again to, to Binghamton to find a, a double-digit negative comparison where they ran a house show that was down 30% versus the house show prior. Of course, when you talk about Binghamton, New York, you have to talk about Excite Wrestling and the competition that, that they're putting into the wrestling industry in that local market that I'm sure WWE is finding to be a great challenge. That's an inside joke for, for Chris Gall. Um, so, <laughs> I enjoy that. Point is, WWE continues to do really great. If anybody's saying that, that WWE is starting to show some signs of weakness, I'm not seeing it in live events because this is up to the present. And we're still seeing tons of green. Most of this green 
Most of these comparisons are double-digit positive comparisons. It's not happening in live events, at least not yet. Um, we can look to AEW for this. Yes. Well, I was going to say, like, I don't think we're really talking about that much, but SmackDown over the last, like, month or so, like, the presence of John Cena um, and how much he still means for television or for ticket sales. Um, basically, every time he shows up, he does tremendous business as a, as a, as a draw, attendance draw. Um, and he's been around a lot lately. Um, so I think that's definitely helped SmackDown, especially, um, you know, drawing 11,000 fans, uh, you know, per event is, is, I mean, you can't really do much more than that. A lot of venues don't have much greater capacity than 11,000 for, for their with their TV setup. And so it's, right. it's closing to, you know, a lot of SmackDowns almost sell out every week. Uh, and I, I would, would be... add, even without, without Cena in Boston, they still did 41% better than the last SmackDown in Boston <clears throat> on, on September 8th. Was Cena not on that show? He was not. He was in India. Oh, right. Every time you do this, we, we, hear, we hear like a tidal wave. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Okay. Um, any other points there before we go to AEW? No, we can go to AEW. With AEW, we have mostly dynamite comparisons here, right? We have Collision. Collision's a young show. So mostly for the, the same event, same market comparisons, we have dynamite versus dynamite and they're mostly negative uh, the most positive story we have to tell a 148 percent increase in boston where they went to the td garden instead of what what is it called what's the small venue called it the, Agan- the aganis arena is that the one that's in lowell no that's it's on the campus of boston university it's in boston you're thinking of the songus arena which is in lowell that must be it so a blood and guts drew eight thousand nine hundred fifty-six. Well, estimated according to WrestleTix, which was higher than the three thousand six hundred that it did the time before in November twenty twenty-two. Um, but all the rest of these almost are negative. Most of them are negative by double digits of percent. The 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 pot, and we're, we're looking at for people listening in audio. We're looking at I don't know a few dozen dynamites here going all the way back to October twenty twenty-two. Um, the few positive cases are Duluth, Georgia, up five percent, Chicago, Illinois up 4%. Washington, D.C., up 71%. I did look some of these up. We've got Baltimore, too, up 72%. I looked at these events. I didn't see anything. It, these weren't, like, named dynamites that had... Yeah, like, it wasn't like the Blood and Guts show, which obviously drew a lot more. Pittsburgh, up 1%. Reason. Broomfield, Colorado, which they just went to, and it was down. But when they went to Broomfield at the end of December, it was up 27%. Chicago, for Thanksgiving last year, was up 11%. So... That's that. Most of these comparisons are are negative. We would want to look at collision, though, right? So, to to make shift, do a, do an analysis of collision. What I did was say, all right, give give me the AEW event that was not a pay per view. That collision collision ran that market. How did collision compare to the last time they ran a dynamite or a rampage taping? There is basically what we're looking at here, and all of these comparisons to the extent to which we have them except for one, which is the debut show, are negative. So the debut show in the United Center, which was the debut show plus the return of CM Punk, up 31% for this last time they were in Chicago. And that number was 9,280. So big crowd there. But the rest of these comparisons are negative. Uh, Toronto is is pretty much break even against, I guess, what would be a Dynamite Rampage taping there. Um, but the rest of these are down double digits of percent except for greensboro which is only down three percent so 
it's just endemic of the overall trend in everything else with with AEW, which is just it's down significantly versus the last time or a year ago or whatever. So there's that. And we will leave live events then, if we have no more takeaways here, and go to sentiment. Why is this happening? Well, we will turn to sentiment and 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 ask this question. I did a net promoter score study that is the report is out there for subscribers. Does anybody know what a net promoter score study is? Does, did call it, did you, were you around when I was doing the net promoter score studies? The last yeah, time I, I believe you know? so. So it's kind of, it, I mean, I don't know exactly how to get the math, but you're basing it on like a survey, right? We're like yes. asking people questions. Yeah. My, my Facebook, it was called Facebook last time we, we did this study. My Facebook ad account was hacked by, by, People who appeared to be using uh, Vietnamese language, anyway, there were like some Jimmy, unauthorized. Do we, do we believe that it could be the same people that sent the yellow jacket to your house? I, I, I can't confirm or deny that, that that there's still an open investigation into that. You're issue. stepping on toes with this da- data. That's what you're doing. <laughs> yes. So we we up to this point we did. I was I wanted to do this quarterly, and then my ad account. I'll get I'll get into why that's important. My ad account was hacked. So anyway, we we have done up to this point before this study. One, two, three. Three studies um, in December 2020, March 2021, and then June 2021. And basically, the, the survey asks you, how often do you watch this show? And I'm asking you about all the major shows that we just went over the TV ratings for, except for WoW. I should put WoW in there. Um, but it asks you, how often do you watch this show? And then how likely would you be to recommend it to a friend on a scale of like one to five? Um, and the so the how the formula works is I'm, I'm only – considering people who say I currently watch it regularly. So I'm not saying I current, I, I used to watch it regularly or I've never watched it or I occasionally watch it. Those are the other options. I'm only taking current viewers who are actually using the product. And I'm saying how, how likely you use this, how like, how likely would you be to recommend it to a friend? Uh, and then you, you take the, the people who respond five out of five, you do some math, you subtract it from the detractors, which are like zero to two or something like that. And you subtract, you get what's called a net promoter score study. And this is something that's used in, in business more generally. Answer is still the most positively received show here is AEW Dynamite. And I did this, by the way, with a Facebook ad. So it wasn't like I went on the WrestleNomics Twitter account and said, fill out this form. I used the Facebook ad. So hopefully we're getting people who are not familiar with WrestleNomics to avoid uh, you know, people who may be, you know, invested in WrestleNomics and stuff like that responding to this. So Dynamite is still number one by a narrow margin ahead of SmackDown. And the big takeaway here is SmackDown and Raw have rebo- rebounded tremendously. Raw had a, a, a quite negative NPS, net promoter score, when we last did this in the middle of 2021. It was negative 0.3, and now it's up to a positive 0.15. Um, still less favorably uh, received than AEW Collision. Collision is is right right below SmackDown. Uh, SmackDown is number two. Collision is number three. Raw is next. Um, Rampage is almost negative. Rampage is almost at a zero at this point. We didn't we didn't have any prior data for Rampage. Rampage didn't exist when we did this last time. And NXT is more negative than it was last time. We were in the late days of the of the black and gold era, I suppose we weren't quite to the 2.0 era. But now here, we, we even in even in this, you know, where the ratings have improved, 
time span of, of NXT, still not a very positive. Most people are saying they would not recommend this show, basically, even those who watch it, right? Um, so NXT not 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 looking good here, um, but Dynamite is is number one. SmackDown and Raw have improved tremendously, and Collision is a a show that people will recommend. Um, now, I we used how many how many responses did I get? I had two hundred and ninety four responses for this. Um, and you can see the numbers that we've had in the past for for previous iterations of, of this study. So we don't have. I could probably get more if I ran the ad longer. Um, so we don't have so many responses and I'm comfortable like breaking down into every demographic type. Um, but we can look at women because we have at least over a hundred women who responded to this ad and I, I am able to focus on gender, but you can't focus on race or, or other demographics uh, with these ads. So we do have over a hundred female respondents to this study and uncomfortable truth here. Women like SmackDown the best. Women like SmackDown the best, even better than Dynamite by a small margin. It goes SmackDown the best, followed by Dynamite, pretty wide margin to everything else, and then Raw. But they like Raw better than Collision. And then Rampage. And, and guess what? Women hate NXT even more than the general population, according to this study. Um, but yeah, the takeaway here would be that, I mean, this needs to be repeated, but women like WWE more than AEW, but they like Dynamite too. But but SmackDown doing better than Dynamite, Raw doing better than Collision. Those that I was you know the two top shows for each of those companies, um, which is different than than the whole population put together. So there's that. Now moving on to cage match data, we will go to cage match WWE stuff first. Uh, WWE pay per views, or as they call them. Premium live events. Uh, those have been doing pretty well since uh, since Vince McMahon retired and Triple H is at least more involved than he was in the past. Uh, they're hanging around in the sevens. Pre pretty well-received pay-per-views. Although they were doing pretty well in Q2, which was Vince McMahon's last full quarter. Um, SmackDown has improved since Triple, Triple H's head has appeared on the graph. SmackDown's improved into the sevens, where it was in the sixes, even the fives before in the... In the Strictly Vince McMahon era. Uh, I, think Raw has put, I think you should put Sami Zayn's face uh, on mm -hmm. that as well. You should. You should put when do you when do you start to put Sami Zayn on here? Uh, probably right right around quarter four, right? That's when he first kind of. That's when that angle started to take off, right? Mm -hmm. Even in this Q three, Q three is at an all time high with a seven point five average event rating for SmackDown, even exceeding that that strong Q four where it was. Where it was when did uh? When did Tony Khan tweet about cage match ratings? That should also be on this uh, this graph. We have to look that up. S search from colon Tony Khan all one word, cage match all one word, and you'll find any reference that he's made to cage match on on, on Twitter. Um, and then Raw, doing pretty well since Triple H became the head of creative as well. Uh, improved certainly from the strictly fan time and NXT. I didn't put Triple H on here. Maybe we should put Shawn Michaels' head on here. I don't know. But NXT is at a 7.5 in Q3, which is better than at any time we've got on the chart here going back to Q1 2021. So the the people who are voting for this on Cage Match view NXT as better than it has been at least in the last couple of years. Um, and then we'll go... So I, is there takeaways there? I mean, I think this, this is consistent with the improvement that we've seen, especially in younger viewership. Um, and, and if I look, I'll go, go off... 
off script here, off the uh, the slides and go to the median age, uh, go to the, our median age chart in the big Russellomics viewership spreadsheet and share this. I haven't done the math, but I would expect you'd, and I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if the, the math, the, the data is detailed enough, but I would, there, there seems to be a correlation between a declining median age, a, a younger audience correlating with a more positively received show. Well, doesn't that kind of track with what we are led to believe about older viewers, which are older viewers are more ingrained in their habits and traditionally less volatile than than younger viewers who are maybe a little bit more, uh, you know, week to week in terms of, of what they're watching. So younger viewers are going to respond much more positively to a better product and they're going to be more likely to watch than older viewers might be more in it for the long haul and less, you know, uh, volatile in terms of what they're tuning in to watch. So that does kind of check out, right. That if the shows have been received better, um, the younger fans are more consistent viewers than when they're perceived poorly. I would say when we think about like what the stories are that are making television viewership in general, harder to capture, we talk about the competition in entertainment and the competition in entertainment is affecting younger people more than it's affecting older people, right? It's, it's teenagers who are having their attention competed for on TikTok more so than it is um, older folks, right? So that if you're younger, there's just way more things that are appealing to you that are competing for your time and your leisure time in addition to traditional TV, even if you've got access to traditional TV. Uh, going back to our slides, we'll go to AEW cage match reception. The pay-per-views, basically we're looking at one pay-per-view per quarter here, right? For the most part. Well, no, not not recently because there's been a pay-per-view. Well, there's no Ring of Honor pay-per-views included in this. There's only AEW pay-per-views, but pay-per-views uh, still doing pretty well here is my takeaway. Doing, doing a nine for what must have been in Q3, two pay-per-views, which were all in and all out, right? And nothing else. Um, so those pay-per-views received pretty well i think that's surprising nobody dynamite is just consistent as can be with it's about seven and a half rating going all the way back to q3 2021 basically the return to torn it's just been doing seven and a halfs all the way all the way there's it's been busy. there's been ratings that have there's been shows that have been poorly received there's been shows that have been well received but it all averages out to about seven and a half every quarter the infamous bad dynamite at the end of 2021 still tanking that quarter to uh rating what what was that it was like the last dynamite of the year is the one with the, the dark order angle where the guy missed the punches which That's people kind of wrecked. right oh you're right you're right yeah I'm, I'm thinking i'm thinking of this just the whole chart yeah okay so dynamite very consistent uh rampage is it's not like Rampage has declined in, in line with its ratings. It is less well-received in these last two quarters than it was in the first quarter. And we got sixes and sevens here, but low sevens, always low sevens and, you know, low to mid sixes. So it's, it's certainly not as well-received as Rampage. That sounds right to, to most listeners, I would think. Um, and then Collision, how does Collision compare in its reception to Dynamite? It's about the same. 7.6 in Q2, which again was only one it was only a half a month so there's probably only two shows in here in the 7.6 and then the whole quarter of q3 is 7.5 so very much what dynamite is doing in terms of what these hardcore fans on cage match are feeling about collision about the same as they feel of dynamite 
and better, which I think is important, better than they feel about Rampage. Um, and now, oh yeah, let's compare them. Let's 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 piss everybody off and put them on the same chart. Okay, so so if you put them all on the same chart, you do see in, in a line chart, you see this great recovery of of Raw and SmackDown and of NXT. You know, NXT in the in the doldrums of late 2021, which I think is the prime of the 2.0 era. Um, and look, they're all they've all converged. It, to almost the same 7.5, uh, lo- low sevens, I guess, for, for Raw. But they've all converged around this 7.5 area, except for Rampage, which is uh, s- stuck around 6.5, um, for what that's worth. It, we could certainly say, um, among this core group of people who are voting on Cage Match, WWE, in their view, has improved. And that's reflected in the TV ratings, I would say. Um, the content has improved and the, and the viewership of the program, oh my God, has improved. Um, if we put pay-per-views of these two companies on the same chart, um, for the most part, still WWE in the same time frame doing better than, or I'm sorry, AEW in the same time frame doing better than WWE. Uh, WWE getting, getting at best, what would this be, an 8.3 in, what would that be, uh, SummerSlam? I guess that's SummerSlam. And uh, that's, like the first show or one of the first shows of the Triple H era. And mostly, you know, at best an eight, an eight here in Elimination Chamber, I guess, is what this eight eight point oh would be. Um so that that is we're looking at the most well received pay per views here for WWE at an eight, and then you've got the best pay per views for AEW surpassing a nine. Two of them are anyway, which is what all out, right? And what would this be in March? Revolution? The night. Yeah, Revolution was in March. It was like the first week of March this year. Okay. So now we will go. We'll, we will address the Deep Pearl fans and go to Japan live events where we've got some data from Cage Match here. Uh, estimated average attendance. Is that the first one? It is. All right. Estimated average attendance. New Japan's in the lead, as you would expect. A quarter ago, well, in Q1, Noah, of course, number one with all their Mudo Tokyo Dome shows, the big um, Mudo uh, retirement tour. But uh, Noah is is down here with the rest of the pack, and we'll, we'll get a closer look at what these these companies did that are below New Japan. Of course, New Japan's the leader. But what did the rest of them do? We've got All Japan with the highest average attendance. And by the way, for any data points that we didn't have, I just took the median for that quarter, for that promotion, and threw that in. And, and counted that into the average. Um, but we have All Japan. Does it, so, so tell me if this sounds correct. All Japan at number one for average attendance. Noah at number two. Stardom at number three. Is this Gleet at number four? Yes. Um, DDT at number five. And then Big Japan down here at the bottom. Those are the, those are the promotions that I included. And I think those are, those are the companies that have like the highest total. Did you mention Dragon... Did you mention Drag? Did I mention Drag? I did not. They're they're in a dead tie with Gleet. Am I saying Gleet right? Gleet or Gleet? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, Gleet it rhymes with yeah. Great, right? Okay. Um, does this sound right? This does this sound like the 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 zeitgeist truth of Japanese pro wrestling at the moment? The average attendance. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, in, especially as a as a Westerner observer. You know, the the fandom is so. Um, limited in your bubble so like i don't really know a lot of people that might be not talking about one promotion but i know a couple of people that are really into one of the other promotions i would say like these all these 
promotions run various uh, amounts of shows. So average attendance is going to be kind of skewered by that. Um, it's also going to be skewered by where they're running. You know, most of these promotions, the smaller promotions are really only running in Tokyo um, for the most part, with the exception of, of Dragon Gate, who run a lot of uh, venues outside of Tokyo. Um, I mean, it, it sounds, yeah, sure. It sounds right. Well, let's look at total attendance. Total attendance, of course, New Japan is by a wide margin ahead of everybody else, followed by Dragon Gate number two, because they run a lot of shows, right? And then start right. number three. Noah will do a, do a zoom in here on, on the, the lower pack. Uh, again, Dragon Gate, Stardom, and then a gap. Uh, Noah, DDT, All Japan, Big Japan, and then Gleet at the bottom. Um, because number of events is, is reflective of that. Big, Big Japan in Q3 ran the most events, ran more events than anybody else. Big Japan did. Um, aren't they the ones who like just ran through the whole pandemic too? Yeah, they, they can't close. Because they, they can't miss any shows, otherwise they would have totally went belly up. They're actually it's actually remarkable they're still around. So who who's running the most shows in Q three? Big Japan, followed by Dragon Gate. And we that that follows the reputation of Dragon Gate, right? That Dragon Gate's runs so many shows. Um New Japan and Stardom are tied with about thirty five events in this quarter, followed by Big Gap, DDT, Noah, All Japan, and Gleet. Um and if we stack all the the top three Japanese companies on top of each other for the trailing 12 months, which would be New Japan, Noah, and Stardom, stack their total attendances estimated on top of each other. It's uh, it's not quite what All Elite Wrestling is doing for the same period, which puts, puts in some perspective what the number two U.S. wrestling company is doing, I guess. Um, and it's uh, it's, it's New, New Japan, which is their partner. I guess, and, and to think about, like, J Japan where... That's that's not a media business, the Japanese wrestling business. It's somewhat a media business, but it's more so a live event business still. And even AEW, which is, I mean, if they were if they had to run on just ticket revenue, uh, I don't know the, the business would the business would not be viable. Um, but nonetheless, they're able to draw the ticket sales of the top three. Japanese wrestling companies combined. Um, and if we look at this in, in another context, WWE with this big black bar, if you put all the all the data that we've looked at up, up to this point for live events, which would be AEW plus the top eight Japanese companies that we just looked at, and it's only about two-thirds of what WWE did in the same time period, the trailing 12 months. So the, all those companies, all the, those nine companies, the top eight Japanese companies plus AEW, they're doing about 1.2 million attendees but WWE doing about 1.8 million attendees in the same period. So there's that. And then we have CMLL and AAA, AAA off, you will. Don't have much data for these companies. Uh, not much attendance data that's out there and like super reliable or even anywhere near complete. Um, we do have some Google Trends and CMLL has surpassed AAA recently in web search in Mexico. This is domestically, so this is not worldwide. This is domestically, for what it's worth. Google Trends, web search, CML in the last two quarters, I guess since the new year really, has surpassed AAA for web search in Mexico. Does that mean anything? Does this reflect the business in general? I've heard CML is hot. Yes, yes. The answer is yes. Get your Chavo Luderoff uh, votes out for uh, Booker of the Year. Is that who's 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 booking CML? Yeah, it's. Uh, um... Is he better known as as a as a wrestler as as a ring name no i think he's um uh i think he you know he's um the 
grandson of um, Salvador Luteroth. He might be the great grandson, but I'm pretty sure he's the grandson uh, of the founder of CMLL, Salvador Luteroth. Um, are there any other highlights that people should know about year to date for CMLL or AAA? It looks like he did pretty well with their anniversary show. CMLL did. Yeah, I mean, the big thing with CMLL that has been pointed out to me recently was that they're, you know, they have the 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 Friday night Mexico Arena Mexico shows, which are, you know, the barometer of of CMLL in terms of what they're doing, and they've drawn very very well at Arena Mexico. Um, you know, over ten thousand fans. Uh, on Friday nights, pretty commonly. Um, but the other kind of like supplemental shows that they have, like they have the Monday show um, that they run in Puebla, and they have the um, the Tuesday shows that they run in uh, Guadalajara. Those shows are also drawing well. So you're you're seeing kind of like um, the TV, the to use the American definitions of them a little bit, like the TV tapings, the Friday night shows are doing well. But you're also seeing like the kind of house show tapings as well the the monday and tuesday uh shows in those other cities and they're running every week in those cities um they're also drawing well so see i mean cml is i'd be really fascinated to see like cml's total attendance figures because i imagine they're higher than aw's arena mexico to to get that data yeah like a like i i assume it would be higher than aw's um because they're running so often yeah, I mean, they run if they're doing if they're really doing ten to fourteen thousand people every Friday in Arena Mexico, and then also, um, you know, I don't know five to eight thousand in the two other shows on on Mondays and Tuesdays. I mean, they they would rival WWE in terms of drawing attendance. Now, the gates would be much much smaller. Like, the, I'm sure AEW's gates are higher because the economy is different. But in terms of just raw live attendance. Um, CMLL and, and you know is, is would be very very competitive with the largest American companies, I imagine. And who's the draw there? Who's drawing those crowds? Is it the brand? Is the CMLL? It's probably the brand, but it's it's it, you know I would say most people would say Mystico as the um, as you know the the top babyface in the company, and obviously historically back when he was you know in the late two thousands when he was at his peak was was really the biggest tennis draw in the world. Um, for people who don't know, we are talking about the original Mystico, the original Sincara, as there have been many, yes. many versions. Luis Irvine yes. Jr. Um, and then, you know, there's some other things there. They've got, um, you still have like Volador Jr. and Ultima Guerrero that are still around and, and push prominently. But you also have some newer stars that they've invested um, quite a bit in. There's Atlantis Jr., who they've kind of tabbed as like the... The, up, the kind of future up and coming top baby face. And there's also uh, Mascara Dorada too, just kind of going by Mascara Dorada now. He's a 21 years old. He's really, really um, exciting young wrestler that they're pushing pretty hard. He's almost like kind of like, it's kind of interesting. Like he, he, he wears a very similar outfit to Mystico and he works a lot of tag matches with Mystico as his partner. And he comes across as like, he's like Mystico, except he's got a much better body and he's much more athletic. Um, than Mystico is at this point in his career, but the I would say those would be like the, the him and Atlantis Jr. would kind of be the up and coming top draw drawing baby faces, you know, behind Mystico. Okay. Rocky Romero's also Rocky Romero and uh Bolador had like a very dramatic feud earlier this year that that lasted a long time throughout CMLL. Okay. 
And once again, if you want to submit a super chat for a comment or question, we will take that before the end. Um, we will go to now the Abema. Am I saying this right? Abema? You're supposed to say Abema because it's, it's Japanese? You're asking the wrong person. I don't know. So Abema is how I is how I pronounce it. But Chris Gola got a job for you. Would you like to read the uh, the the notes? This is a, an article that we're we're reading from uh, Post Wrestling Report by Andrew Thompson. Would you would you like to read the uh, the Abema report? Yes, I would. Let me just uh, get that tab open here. All right. So yeah, this is from Andrew Thompson here. Just scroll down, right? Oh, okay. By one second here, my Google. Uh, Slides doesn't want to operate. There we go. All right, we're good. Okay. A deal. After uh, nearly two years, trying to make the. Sorry, I'm trying. Can to you read? Are you are you having trouble reading? No, it's the scrolling. I don't want to scroll down too far. That, that's what it is. The, All right, I'll, I'll, I'll read it. Abema and WWE come to terms on a deal. After <laughs> right. nearly two years, WWE is going to air domestically in Japan. Abema signed a deal with WWE to exclusively broadcast Raw and SmackDown starting in October. Raw will air every Tuesday. So they're starting this month. Uh, Raw will air every Tuesday at 8 p.m. starting October 3rd. And SmackDown will air every Saturday starting October 7th, also at 8 p.m. There's going to be Japanese play-by-play for these programs, and the shows will air free of charge. I understand Obama is a streaming service, AVOD, I guess like a fast, right, that we would know like Pluto or Tubi. Um, W's premium live events will broadcast in Japan on September 29th, a special broadcast, which has already happened, about WWE coming to Obama will air. Kiji Muto uh, noted that he will be there as an ambassador Muto was present at WWE Payback. I saw him with my own eyes there in Pittsburgh um, where he was brought out for the Nakamura and Rollins match. So in late 2021, a network called J Sports and WWE, they had a partnership that was 20 years old. It came to an end. So WWE has not been on television other than I think Samurai TV in Japan since the end of 2021. And that 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 gap of, of a lack of distribution in Japan for WWE comes to an end this month. Um J Sports had been airing Raw and SmackDown live in English, plus one hour highlight versions of the shows. Uh, there would be versions of Raw and SmackDown that J Sports would be uh, would present with Japanese subtitles. So Raw and SmackDown are going to come back to Japan. I think they've been doing like that one hour um, international version summary of, of this week in WWE that I think they distribute internationally everywhere. I think that had been on Samurai TV. Um, so Raw and SmackDown coming. Here we see these graphics featuring, featuring prominently. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, who we got, Rhea Ripley, Akira Tozawa, to name a few. Uh, Finn, Finn Balor, get, getting uh, recognition here, Prince Devitt. Uh, they use people who have worked in Japan. Roman Reigns at the top, but also Asuka, Eosky, uh, Rey Mysterio. Carl Anderson, who had an extensive run in New Japan, of course. Um, uh, AJ Styles, of course, had a big run in New Japan. Uh, they, they get featured prominently in this graphic. So what's happening here? Um, is, is this doom? For New Japan, for Pro Wrestling Noah, I asked many people, many, many people, uh, and I think Jesse had some discussions with people too uh, about what this really means for Japan, for Japanese wrestling, for Noah and, and New Japan, because guess what else airs on Abama? Not just WWE now, but what's been airing there for quite some time has been Pro Wrestling Noah and New Japan. And to, to thicken the plot here, Abema is co owned by Cyber Agent and 
TV Asahi. So TV Asahi airs lots of New Japan content, owns 10% of New Japan. Of course, Bushi Road owns the vast majority of it. I think 85% Bushi Road controls. But TV Asahi has a stake of 10%. And CyberAsian, of course, is, is the huge IT company in Japan that owns CyberFight, which controls Pro Wrestling Noah, DDT, and Tokyo Joshi Pro. Um, so Noah has been airing on Abema. Um, New Japan has been airing on Abema. And, but New Japan also airs on TV Asahi, BS Asahi, which is a satellite channel that airs, airs more complete shows, I believe, as well as something called CS Asahi Channel 2, which also airs longer versions of, of the show. The TV Asahi network is the one that's airing like the super late night, you know, condensed version of New Japan. But this is not New Japan's only means of media distribution, Abima. Um, for Noah, I think this is more significant. This is more the singular place where where Noah gets distributed uh, to the masses. Uh, this is a Abima is I, I, I'm told a network or a stream. It is a streaming service that is popular, especially with younger people. Um, it's not a traditional broadcast network, though. Um, so is this a sign that the parent companies of New Japan and of Cyber Asian, which again own co-own Abima, are they are they divesting? Are they are they sort of backing away from? Their, their, their investment in the pro wrestling industry in favor of WWE. Is that what's happening here? I guess it depends if, if WWE ends up, because of their presence on the network, and ends up pushing uh, NOAA and or New Japan off, off the network. And in the case of New Japan, this seems pretty minimal, right? Because they have plenty of other distribution. Not to mention, Samurai TV is, is, is there too for both of these companies, NOAA and New Japan. But that's something that only few people have access to through a premium service. Um, but New Japan has plenty of other media distribution. It wouldn't be good if they left Abema, but they have plenty of other distribution, even if they end up not having as many time slots on this service. But Noah, it would be a bigger deal to you. But it remains to be seen whether Noah is going to have less uh, broadcast access uh, on, on Abema. Is that is that what you've heard as well, Jesse? Yeah, I mean, so... Obviously, Cyber Agent has a much bigger investment in NOAA and DDT and Tokyo Joshi Pro um, than just broadcasting them on Abema. Uh, they obviously believe there's value there in running professional wrestling companies. And as you mentioned in our previous discussion, the um, mar- the wrestling market in Japan is not necessarily media-based. It's a lot based on live attendance and other factors. Um, so tele- television distribution isn't nearly as important as it is to American wrestling promotions. It's, it's in a, it's not even comparable. Um, in terms of a revenue source. Yes. In terms of, which is when we're talking about like the health of these companies, that's what we're looking at. Um, but it would be important in terms of getting the promotion out there and seen by people and then promoting your shows based on that. Yeah. I'm sure it's helpful in that sense, but even then, um, it's just a different market in terms of, 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 how many people are watching Abema and how is that, how does that correlate with connecting with, with fans? It's totally different than I think it is in the United States. Um, the, um, you know, cyber fight in through, through a, a cyber agent on Abema airs all sorts of stuff. We, you know, you have the wrestling promotions listed here, but they also air other forms of combat sports. Um, my understanding is that they were air- airing some, some MMA promotion that they have recently lost and so that they were in search of 
a replacement for those programming hours. And uh, one person, it might have been John Carroll, uh, who told me that he thinks that the WWE could be um, kind of a replacement for that lost, the lost hours they got in the MMA because they're just looking for something else to broadcast. Um, and they already have a bunch of pro wrestling. So WWE needed a television distributor in Japan. So it made sense for them to make that deal. Um, I don't really see anything more than this. I don't, I don't think it's connected to new Japan at all. The way it was phrased to me was in terms of like, like Noah and the smaller promotions being on a Bema, uh, like new Japan airing on that network is way more threatening than WWE. New Japan is much more, you know, recognized yeah. in the, in the, in the Japanese market than WWE. And they're obviously Noah's like biggest competitor in terms of drawing fans and things like that. So having, New Japan being airing on the same network as them is would be much more threatening than WWE, I guess. I was told a, a, you know, a fight channel needed to fill slots this year since you you next, which is this was another network, I guess, took Ryzen, Bellator, UFC, mm-hmm. and K one went to DAZN. Um, so it looks like they lost a lot of MMA, and this will help fill that. But but as you said, if, if there was a time for Noah to be worried. That would have more so been when New Japan came onto this network or came onto this streaming service. Um, yeah, they have a show I think where it's like uh, I think Ricky Choshu like introduces his favorite matches and they use the New Japan library. Um, it's one of the programming. Uh, I've heard Chono will do int- introductions too and stuff like that. Well, maybe um, it's Chono and not Choshu. Well, but so we we also had the news here around the same time that Katsuhiko Nak- Katsuhiko Nakajima is leaving Noah. Um, which which raises questions like where where is he going? Is he going to WWE? Mm-hmm. Um, is this related at all to any of this business? I asked a bunch of people and they they weren't sure, but felt probably not. Nobody knows where where Nakajima is going. He could be going to New Japan. Um, he could just be remaining as a freelancer. Um, uh, so it, you know, there's always in Japan there's there's always a, a chance that there's some startup promotion that is looking to blow some money right away. I mean, we've seen it um, maybe most prominently in the last 10 years with Wrestle 1, but we mentioned Gleet earlier, which is Gleet is largely like a a splinter promotion with some guys from Dragon Gate and some other independent promotions um, You know, that has some level of funding at the moment that is allowing them to run a lot of shows and pay a lot of guys. And that's always a chance in Japan. The, the market is always, there's always seems to be somebody out there that believes that they can crack in to the market locally. Um, I guess the question would be if he goes to is he going to WWE? Is this the step for for NXT Japan? The much rumored about NXT Japan that WWE Just has theoretically the pandemic that was supposedly imminent, but then the pandemic. They, came well, they wanted the to purchase um, a couple of promotions. They were looking to purchase uh, an outstanding promotion to rebrand as NXT Japan, yeah. um, which would have been the move, I think, if you're going to go into a a culture that already has a very well established pro wrestling culture. I don't. Think yeah, it just seems saturated. It doesn't like WWE in the same WWE never was able to do NXT Japan, even when they were much more aggressive in stockpiling talent and trying to dominate the wrestling world. And in this new regime that seems to be much more conservative in terms of spending in in the quarter of uh, you know a hundred million to one hundred fifty million in cost savings with this merger. Um, launching a promotion in Japan, which I can't imagine would offer any sort of, sort of uh, immediate return, um, 
worth worthy of the investment would seem to be very different than 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 the current strategy that they're the cost saving strategy that they've been implementing since the merger became official. And if you remember in one of Stephanie McMahon's last I don't know public appearances where she was she did a a TMT conference with Nick Khan, there was discussion when they were talking about, you know, areas of growth, they were talking about potentially acquiring, they, they said M&A we view as, as a growth opportunity for us. That is us doing, us buying or merging with, I mean, I mean obviously M&A happened when, when Vince forced his way back in the company, like the next month, which was not on the table at the time that they were talking, um, but they were talking about perhaps buying a pro wrestling company. And we had a discussion about that at the time and, they, what international wrestling companies could they potentially buy? But maybe that's something that Stephanie herself was especially an advocate of, and that is maybe less on the table now. But who knows? I mean, the the, the issue of global localization has been, which is Triple H's stated strategy of establishing NXT brands or developmental brands and performance centers around the world, um, has not really panned out in terms of. I mean, the, U, the UK brand was basically shut down. They will you know, spin it in a different way uh, and talk about NXT Europe, which is yet to come to fruition here. Maybe it will. Um, but I mean, clearly NXT UK did not work out in the way that they had hoped. And I think there's, that was their best hope of establishing a WWE developmental brand in some other territory, because that's where the wrestling culture is the most similar. The language is the same in Japan and Mexico. The challenges are much greater because the cult wrestling culture history is much different. And, and I think that, trying to apply their their philosophy of wrestling on, in, into those areas would be a huge challenge without just acquiring and, and making some huge partnership with somebody who already has a, a really deep uh, involvement in, in those wrestling cultures already. Yeah, and the market, and to me, the market in Japan, while obviously there's a huge appetite for professional wrestling uh, amongst the Japanese population, and there's a lot of people there that are familiar with pro wrestling, to me, like I wouldn't want to be a part of a venture of starting a new wrestling promotion in Japan. I think the market is saturated. I think there is a lack of cornerstone star power that you would be able to attain and get. Um, like maybe you can get Nakajima, maybe you can get like a couple other guys, but there's just to me doesn't seem to be like a tremendous opportunity to run a you high want to level be part of W Japan and WBFI. Japan there doesn't business? seem to be a level of high, there doesn't seem to be a high level of of um, talent available for you to kind of make that investment worthwhile. Um, it's already it's been super fragmented since I've been a tape trader. It's it's and, and to the detriment I think of of the greater whole in that since the early two thousands, New Japan and All Japan have just continued to fragment and fragment and fragment. Well, New Japan obviously has has emerged as a the unquestioned dominant force in the Japanese market, which it's always been among the largest companies in Japan. But now it is so much further ahead than, you know, just like how WWE emerged, you know, from the from the, the 90s into being so much more powerful. And, um, you know, you had you, you definitely don't have like the the your, you know, your FMWs, your your uh, EWFI. Um, promotions that would draw, you know, be capable of running stadium-sized shows uh, that are like independent promotions, essentially. Um, that's not happening. And what you see is like, you see like Gleet starts up because somebody believes they can make money through running a, you know, wrestling show. And so they, they run a lot of shows. They drew like whatever, 500 fans per show or or whatever they do. And they maybe get some buzz amongst the online fans, but that's about the best you can do. Um, 
like if WWE starts, WWE would need to sign like 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 three or four top New Japan guys right away and really go after New Japan in that market and try to take their top stars and um which they did do in a <laughs> they did do in a was it 2017, 2016 when they signed AJ Styles and Nakamura. So they did do that. They just didn't use those guys for Japan. They brought them to America. Um, But they would need like top, top new Japan guys. And then like kind of really cut into new Japan's business market to do, to do the business that they kind of want to do, you know, in Japan, like WWE wouldn't be satisfied. I don't think drawing 500 fans to cork on hall two times a month. They probably would want to run bigger shows. And I just don't see, and because of the television revenue is so different there, I just don't see a path to like significant profitability. And that's, that's the game WWE is playing. It might help their brand in the long term to have a, a foothold in the, the fertile Japanese market, but that's a long, 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 long term investment with absolutely no guarantees. And the longer that they are in the Japanese market, like, even if they acquired an established promotion, they would eventually mold it into like a WWE like promotion, which I don't know if that would take in the Japanese market when you have a much more different interpretation, common interpretation of professional wrestling and what, and what that looks like to the average Japanese fan than for the average American fan who believes WWE is pro wrestling. Yeah. I I didn't expect to go down a a tangent on, on global localization, but I think, they they probably view it as we're the biggest wrestling company in the world by far. There there's independent of us industries in, in Mexico and Japan. Why are we not controlling that and getting that revenue for ourselves? I think a lot of these smaller companies are not profitable, <laughs> but new Japan is, I mean, they're, they're making something like $50 million in revenue. I think we just had the number a couple of weeks ago, uh, maybe like some, something in the neighborhood of $40 million USD. Um, not quite profitable or pre- pretty close to break even. So I don't know that there's a ton of additional, you know, incremental profitability, even if they were able to swallow up um, these companies and what they're making, I suppose they, they would probably think that they can make it more efficient if they were doing it. But it's not like there's, it's not like these are booming, super profitable businesses at, at, at this moment anyway. Yeah. Plus you'd, you'd be occurring startup costs, um, to get it off the ground. And I, I understand the allure of, right, the Japanese market to on a, on a, on a, in a board meeting and Stephanie McMahon's board meetings or whatever, the allure of the Japanese market is, okay, we have a, a highly dense, highly populated, densely populated um, country that historically loves professional wrestling is familiar with it, has successful wrestling promotions in it. And it's also a very wealthy nation where you can charge, a lot of money for ticket prices and things like that, which you can't necessarily do uh, in Mexico. So you can, you know, throw out some some slides and, and present that, and people will be like, see that as a worthy investment. Um, but the more you explore it, the more difficult it looks like it's going to become. In Mexico, I always get the impression that WWE doesn't really interest in becoming popular in Mexico as much as they're interested in tapping into the Hispanic American market in the United States. Um, and the sh- the easiest way to do that being to to, to find uh, a top Hispanic star, um, but their issues on that end is that WWE 
hates Lucha Libre and hates what are what would be considered many conventional top Mexican wrestlers, wrestling stars, and they've but unable to kind of fulfill their aspirations of creating a, a top Hispanic star because of that. They tried with Mystico, Sin Cara. Um, but they, they, I mean, they have Rey, they had Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero, and they still have Rey Mysterio. Um, I mean, they're chasing that twenty years, twenty years later. I mean, the the, the issue is is that Vince McMahon. What does Vince McMahon want out of a a top star? He wants um, somebody that is tall, somebody that is good looking, which means they don't wear a mask, um, and they speak the mask off off a uh, la sombra. Yeah, and they speak good, unaccented English. And Lucha Libre is not going to turn out many people that are like that because Lucha Libre is, is going to be focused on smaller wrestlers, um, many of whom are wearing masks and many of whom don't speak any English. So, you know, that's the reason, you know, Alberto Del Rio was pushed so hard was because he was the rare Mexican wrestler that did check off um, those three boxes that Vince is looking for. But that's always been a power struggle and a contrast of vision between what would probably connect with Mexican pro wrestling uh, fan, Mexican-American and Hispanic-American pro wrestling fans and what Vince McMahon views as a successful pro wrestler. Of course, as you mentioned, like Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero are two people that don't fit those conventional uh, beliefs, but somehow became very popular. I don't know how they did that, right? Well, they have the next generation ready. Dominic. Yeah, Dominic. I mean, I mean, Dominic, I mean, I think in their minds, Damian Priest is that guy. Um, I always thought it was weird that they gave him an Anglo-Saxon last name instead of either allowing him to keep Martinez as his last name or giving him some other identifiably Latino name. Um, but he, right, he's, he's tall. Um, he doesn't speak accented English, he's, but, he's, but he's Duolingo um, bilingual. I don't, I don't know why I decided to use the uh, English language learning app Duolingo is, instead of saying bilingual, but um, right. He's their guy. That, I mean, he's older than people think, um, but that's their next attempt. And obviously like getting bad bunny probably really helped them too, because they got a legit major, major celebrity in that market to, to do matches and be a part of their promotion. Okay. Um, all right. So we'll, we will go now. <clears throat> I didn't want to talk about it, but we, you know, as, as we know, um, there is a WrestleMania attendance obsession. If you want to know the truth, it was really Chris Gullah who was, who was pushing forward on this. Jesse was in the middle, but Gullah really pushed him over the edge. Uh, WrestleMania attendance obsessions we did last week. What's that? I'm obsessed. I got to yeah. know. What is the WrestleMania attendance, attendance obsession we did last week looking at WrestleMania 38 in Arlington, Texas and AT&T Stadium. Anyway, we will con- we will continue this series. Now we have an all-in attendance obsession. What is the attendance for all-in? Does anybody know? Anyone, anyone know? What's the attendance for all-in 2023 in London, Wembley Stadium, August 27th, 2023? What's the attendance? Is it assumed? It's, well, I mean, there's a 72, 6, I, I can't remember the other numbers after that, the turnstile, but was it projected 78,000, right? Wrong. There is no such thing as attendance. Yeah, right. There's no but such thing we had closely. as attendance. Attendance does not exist. What we have <laughs> instead are different live event metrics, let's call them. We have a thing called tickets sold, which is what the AEW announced. They said tickets sold was 81,035 for this event. Um, we have tickets distributed, estimated by WrestleTix of 83,131. I'm doing this by memory. I think I think it's right. 
and now and now we have well we 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 had as of a couple of weeks ago a turnstile count, which is the number of people whose tickets were actually scanned and admitted into the building. These are the number of tickets that were used. 72,265. 72,265, which is a big difference from 81,035 tickets sold, but we'll get into that, I, I, I guess. Um, that That's old news, really, from a couple of weeks ago. But we have some new non-news in that there was a response from the Brent Council, which is the local government municipality organization in the location, in, in the area where Wembley Stadium is located, we had one, our, our, our new friend, we made a new friend. Uh, his name is Chris White, who is the director of, of environment and leisure at the Brent's, Brent Council, who said in, in response to another person's information request, uh, I confirmed the attend. This was on Monday, I think. I confirmed the attendance at this event was 85,528. Twitter lost its mind. We've got additional drama around the AEW all in attendance. I was alerted to this immediately, of course. I sent an email to Chris White of the Brent Council, and he responded sometime later saying, apologies. Yes, we've confirmed a revised figure for the turnstile entries of 72,265. Sorry for any confusion. And oh yes, there was confusion. Uh, these, these, are the rest of my emails with, um, with Chris white and, and the, the, uh, other person who I, I who we'll, we'll call Nicholas. I, I don't know. I have permission to, for, to say his whole name here, but he was the person who was making the, the request that was responded to with that 85,000 number. Um, so we had some back and forth discussion about w- what that was about. Uh, Chris white said that the, he, so Nicholas was asking about the scan count and trying to understand whether that was a different number than the turnstile count. Short answer is it is not different. It is not a different number. Turnstile count means scan count, means drop count, means the number of tickets used or that were at least recorded as used uh, in the building. So that's that's what's happening there. Um, Where did this number 85,528 come from? Uh, Chris White says that the earlier figure, that is the 85,528 number, the earlier figure was unconfirmed on the night. I did, I did ask multiple times if that was the ticket distributed number, and that, that, that question was not directly responded to. So there's that. Um, there are other, other things here? Not really. Okay. I've tried to make it short and painless. Um, so what's the, what's the most attended event ever in wrestling history? Verifiably speaking. Um, as far as people in the building, it's it's still this one behind me. WrestleMania 32 had 80,709. That is higher. We can say verifiably, according to the Arlington Police, a, a third party not related to WWE, that, that there's – even if this already includes every suite, there's not enough suites in Wembley Stadium for 72,000 to get up to 80,000. So WrestleMania 32, 2016, more people in the building. Um, WrestleMania 3, maybe. There's YouTube videos about it if you want to watch it. I tweeted about this a couple times this week. This week, People were not happy to, to learn more about this. They did not want to learn more. So I, I'm trying to make this a condensed version of all-in attendance obsession. There's that. Any, any other thoughts on that before we move on? Okay. Okay. Gullo is going to get... I think, I think this is what you, you, you or Gullo should do. You should get a turnstile that they use at Wembley stadium and really under try to understand how like the turnstile goes through. Is it possible for more people to go through a turnstile off one scan than, than 
uh, originally counted for. Well, when we say turnstile um, count, we're not talking necessarily, it could be, but not necessarily talking about a physical turnstile, like the thing that you go through, like say when you're going into the subway or something, uh, or you know the thing that, that you hit with your waist and it, and it rolls over. Um, a, a lot of times, all we're talking about is somebody scanned your ticket. You know, you pull out your ticket. On right. Your phone but is it days. possible? Is it possible that more people got in uh, than was originally scanned? Like it, they it scan one that people entered this building without having their ticket scanned. Certainly it is possible that, that or, or you show up with someone's got four tickets and they just scan the first one and the four other people go in. They don't scan the other three. That is uh, definitely possible. I think for, if, the, if it's for like any anywhere, place. if it's like any like modern place, I think it's frequently it's all similar to the subway. Like you, they scan your ticket, the door is open for like a brief period of time and you can walk through and then you're supposed to do the next one. But as I've also seen plenty of times, you can just scan one ticket and if people are close together, they just can all walk through. I wonder how I much parity We need to get to the is. bottom of this. Well, I wonder how much what parity you... there is at Wembley. Like in soccer games, is it like so far off from announced attendance to turnstile count? What are you asking? Like, that's a good, so, that's a good, yeah, that's at, a good question at a, at a normal soccer game or football game at Wembley how different is the announced attendance and the and the, the turnstile count for those events do they announce an attendance in the first place is, is question they, number one they've done NFL games there right and I'm assuming if only there was someone that was connected with AW that also would know something about running football games at Wembley Stadium maybe they ran one 20 minutes ago did it is the game even over it's over yeah, yeah. it's over yeah okay um the issue about whether people – I don't know if you even want me to answer this, but the issue about if, if people are getting in the building and sort of incidentally not having their tickets scanned, that's that's a real issue to think about. Do we know that that has affected one event of concern more so than another? No idea. Did that affect WrestleMania 32 more so than all in London or vice versa? No idea. So anyway, that's that's where we're at here. We don't know how many tickets were sold for WrestleMania 32 other than it was somewhere between 74,000 and 86,000. 81,035 is right in the middle of that. Um, we'll, we'll leave it at that for now. Um, okay. Now, Panini, just a quick update on the Panini W lawsuit. Uh, a judge, where, where's, where's the, uh, the thing here? Judge Lorna Schofield said that... Um, Panini does not have to stop selling W trading cards. W wanted Panini to stop selling W trading cards. W claims that because Panini did not in good faith produce trading card games and digital trading cards, W says that they are, they are, they are terminating their agreement with Panini, their trading card licensee. Um, but the judge looked at this and said, what does it say? Uh, because of reasons stated at the hearing, which is not public, they're, they're, uh, what they were trying to do, it is hereby denied. Their tempor- temporary restraining order is the terminology. Temporary restraining order is hereby denied. Um, so Panini can go on selling W trading cards, and this litigation will continue. Uh, as it turns out, there, this is not the only type of litigation that is happening of, of this nature. By the way, a uh, lawyer for Panini says... We believe your purported termination is nothing more than a pretext to seek a substitute Fanatics or its subsidiary tops as an exclusive licensee in disregard of Panini's rights. So they'll be probably looking to put their license with Fanatics, which has their 
e-commerce and venue merchandise license as well. Um, the NFL PA players association with the NFL is, is wrapped up in a very similar legal situation here. Um, according to front office sports where they are trying to terminate on, on slightly different terms, trying to terminate because of a, a substantial change in executive management. They are trying to terminate their deal with Panini and go with fanatics. So that's interesting that that is a coincidence. WWE copying the homework of the NFL. I don't, uh, I don't really know that much about this. Uh, so I'll preference what I'm about to say with that, but I do wonder if the value of sports cards um, have gone up tremendously since the start of the pandemic. Uh, and I do wonder if these deals to get licensed um, with different card uh, companies the value of those have, have, have increased tremendously when has put a greater interest in something that maybe wasn't thought put considered too much when the deal with Panini was signed. And now they're looking at the card market um, and saying like, oh, geez, we can get a lot more money for this because card sales are through the roof. Um, and that's, that's leading to not only WWE, but as you say, the NFLPA looking, reexamining their deals and thinking, are there ways for us to get out of this to sign a new, more lucrative deal somewhere else? I, I have to think there's some sort of similar underlying story here that's causing – I mean it, it, they're both trying to kill their deals with Panini to go to Fanatics on slightly di- for slightly different reasons in, in, the, in their contracts. I, I don't know, and I'm curious if there's some sort of underlying issue here that's – is it just that Fanatics is offering them a way better deal, so they're trying to wrestle their way out of this Panini deal? I don't know, but that is – there's got to be some, some sort of connection there, I would think. Mm. MLB did do it, and but the MLB Players Association still had, because Panini still had rights, so they were able to put baseball players, but they couldn't use the team logos. So they're able to do, and I'm assuming that's what this NFLPA is. There's, like there's too, two so. different deals in that case. There's, there's yeah. the Players Association deal, and then there's just yes. the league deal. Yeah, because right? the league, they terminated their deal, too, with Panini to go to Fanatic. It's in 2019, MLB. Because did, get, so. get this, in the NFL and Major League Baseball, the players have the rights to their own yeah. IP. Can you imagine that? <laughs> um, so that's all. That's all we have for really everything. Um, we'll, we'll do this briefly. I told myself I'll do this if we have time. What is in cage in, in the wisdom of the cage match voters? Hold, hold on. I got breaking news, Brandon. Do you? The official attendance for today's oh, NFL game at the at the at Wembley Stadium is eighty five thousand seven hundred and sixteen. That was published by the NFL uh, UK Twitter account, the official NFL seven hundred and sixteen. Yep. Okay. Well, we'll and that's we with no floor seating. <laughs> right. We have many acquaintances now in um, Brent Council, so we could send an email. Ask. Um, I can only imagine how many emails they got from wrestling people in the last couple of days. Um, so what is – so we'll do this quickly. I'll, I'll, I'll make it short. We'll get, we'll get out of here before quarter two, let's say. What is, in the wisdom of the cage match voters, the highest rated wrestling match in the world year to date, in the year of 2023? What is number one right now in the year of 2023? Most highly rated match. What do I think it is? Um, oh, I don't know. Um, pr- 
probably one of the Omega Osprey matches. I'm going to say Omega Osprey um, at Forbidden Door. Omega Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom. It's currently rated 9.76. Um, so that is the most highly rated New Japan match. Um, now, what is the most, the number two match, which is not from New Japan? What is that? It's not the it's not the Omega Osprey match. It is not. That's number three. Um, the well, there's a, there's a few of them. I would say this is um, yesterday. The match was yesterday. No, the the ratings, the ranking is as of yesterday. Right. It's well, like the Dragonoff and Hayes match that just happened got very high ratings early, but I don't know if that would be number two for the year. I, I saw uh, this before that match happened. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go at. I would think maybe maybe MJF and Danielson the sixty minute match. That is um, it. That is correct. Revolution. MJF versus Brian Danielson, sixty five minutes and fifteen seconds. Okay, so that's the number one New Japan match. MJF, oh, I'm sorry, you know Omega and Osprey is the number one New Japan match. MJF and Danielson is the number one AEW match. The number three AEW matches that Forbidden Door Omega Osprey match. Um, what is the number one WWE match in cage match ratings on the year at this moment? Not including Carmelo Hayes and Ilya Dragunov, which maybe. Uh, well, I imagine it can it ha- would would it involve Ilya Dragunov and um, or and or Walter would be my guess. Walter, um, who's Walter? It- <laughs> I still call him Walter. Um, is it the triple threat match with Gunther, Sheamus, and McIntyre? It is the triple was- threat match. Gunther versus Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus from from Who? WrestleMania. Who did I say? What did I say? Who was in it? Gunther versus Drew McIntyre. Who's who's that? Who's who? Gunther? Gunther! Sorry. Um, Versus Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus. Uh, That that is the number one WWE match on the year. I don't know if there's anything else interesting here. Um, Yeah, that's fine. Anything else? Or anything else to plug? With my well, gentlemen's wrestling podcast had just had a new episode go up um on friday or on thursday night um did a mailbag episode i got about you know 20 questions or so from from interested readers who we went over a lot of different trends and, and theories we talked about uh wwe getting younger viewers particularly nxt getting better in the 18 to, to 49 demographic which we talked about at the start of the show today um talked about kind of the trend of, of where under 30 wrestling talent in the United States is, is getting gaining experience of WWE and AEW are actually good at developing those talent. And if they're going to suffer from a different indie scene than what has existed over the last 10 or 15 years, um, talked a lot about like changes to new Japan, changes to AEW um, over exposition in American main event wrestling was another topic. So um, a lot of good stuff. People want to check that out. It's the Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast available on wherever you find your podcasts. Okay. And Golo, how was your uh, BCW show last night? Uh, it was all right. I was a, a heel manager, and uh, the team I managed turned on me, and the baby faces beat me up. So that was a fun night. <laughs> Great. Um, okay. There, there are some some leadership announcements here related to TKO that I'm going to have to try to understand later. Um, so look for that. Um, that's all. Uh, again, this is the free episode once a month uh, of WrestleMonics Radio. 
is every week, every Sunday, 11 a.m. It's live audio, video, both for subscribers at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. You get not only that podcast every Sunday, but you also get the TV ratings reports, the big data, viewership spreadsheet. You get the quarter hour reports. And you get the monthly reports that will be coming out soon here because we've got a new month on our hands. They'll be doing YouTube uh, top views, the merchandise, estimates, estimates. Watch out for the engagement tweeters and and, and lots more. Patreon.com slash So thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, We will talk to you again. We will talk to subscribers again on Sunday. And uh, Pollock and Thurston will be back in the middle of the week on Wednesday. On Wednesday, we'll be, we will be talking to Brandon Ross of Light Shed. So look for that. Uh, thanks, for everybody, for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.